And uh, just two really quick housekeeping things that I, I neglected to say earlier. First of all, um, you know for, uh, for a while, those of you part of Horizon, especially in our prayer team, um, that we've been praying for Charlie Knapp, who actually back in early September had a pretty serious fall and has been in and out of the hospital. And we haven't seen Charlie in church for a while, but Charlie is here and sitting in the back corner. And, uh, um, so... So it's good to see you, Charlie. Glad that you're glad you're able to be here. Usually, Charlie's sitting up front, right over here, but uh, switching places. And then also um, th- this morning, right after our church service, if we can, a uh, young man uh, new to our church, but Ryan and Melissa uh, have, have asked if we could pray for Ryan. So I want to invite. I did not get to get an email out, but uh, those of you who are on the elder team or those of you who are, are prayers and would love to pray, we'll be gathering. We'll try to gather right up here. And we're going to have a time of prayer for Ryan immediately following our service. So I want to invite you to participate in that as well. So let's pray. Father, we are grateful that we get to be with you on, on a Sunday like this. We get to be with you all together at once. I know, Father, that there's never a moment when we are not in your presence. God, you don't live in this building. This isn't your house you go with us uh, when we leave here. You go with us individually, and I don't know how it's accomplished, but all of us have your full presence and your full attention always, and I'm grateful. But God, my, I know from your word that when we get together, there's something unique about your presence. So God, I am so glad that you're here right now. You're with us. That when we sing and express our affection to you, and when we're reminded of truth, our songs don't have to travel anywhere, but you are here, present, and I'm grateful. God, I also believe that when we pay attention to your word, that somehow you're also very present in what we do. And God, my prayer is, I think every teacher, everybody who teaches the Bible whether it's the kids downstairs and teachers who are teaching right now, or whether it's us, or whether it's Bible study leaders, whenever we teach, God, our our burden always is for truth and for faithfulness to your word. God, I know how easy it is for us who teach to get off track, to find particular, uh, maybe just personal things that we think are important. And sometimes, God, those aren't accurate. They're not truth from your word. God, I'm grateful that over a whole lot of years, I know that if I say anything wrong, I can trust your spirit to not let anyone be influenced the wrong way. God, that's my prayer again this morning. On the other hand, God, I am so grateful that in teaching your word that I get to do this every week and know that you take truth And through your Spirit's presence in our life, you transform us as we faithfully interact with truth from your word. God, you've done that in my life. You do that in the lives of people who are devoted to following you, people of faith. And God, I pray that you'll do that one more time this morning, that as we talk about your word in Scripture, God, I I pray that you'd be changing us, transforming us into the people that you want us to be, the people that we ourselves want to be. And God, I thank you, and I'm grateful for the confidence 
in your word that we have in doing that. So, God, I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, I... Um, I don't believe that one day of Thanksgiving is good enough. Um, anybody else feel that way at all? Okay, good. Um, <clears throat> gratitude, what we do at Thanksgiving, is something that is, is, is very, very good for us. And this isn't just me speaking, me whose um, favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. This isn't just a personal thing. Um, this is science speaking, that gratitude is good, is good for us. If you could take us out of a church setting... And if you could plop us down into some research lab in the most prestigious psychological center or the most prestigious medical center in the world, and if you could ask the men and women who are in those centers in white coats about gratitude, they would all agree that there are very real physical and psychological benefits to gratitude. And this just isn't opinion. This is scientifically proven that gratitude has very real measurable impacts on us. We live longer, we're healthier, we live better when we're grateful. So gratitude is good for our bodies and it's good for our minds. And those of us who are also followers of Jesus and we're people of the book, we also know that gratitude is good for our souls. So because it is so good for us, I do not believe that one day of Thanksgiving is good enough. So what we're doing is we're investing a whole month in gratitude. And last week when we kicked this off, we, were, um, we spent the Sunday and we talked about, we were reminded that we ought to be grateful for people. And so we did that. We spent a week uh, being grateful for people. And right after church, there was one young boy. We, we all got leaves. And I don't, hopefully you all got a leaf again this morning. If not, we'll be sure that some are available. We handed out leaves last week and we invited all of you to write down the names of people for whom you're grateful. And you hung them up and now they're on that tree over, where, over there. And I'll talk more about that a little bit later. But right after church, one young boy who's, who will remain anonymous, won't use names because I didn't ask permission, but in response to his mom's question, as he was writing a name on a leaf, his mom said, um, who are you thankful for? I'll, I'll write the names on this leaf for you. And he responded to that question, who are you, who are you thankful for? He, he thought for a minute and he said, Mrs. Gregg, the lady who lives next to us. And then he smiled and he said, because she gives me ice cream. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I would be grateful for Mrs. Gregg as well. Um, and ice cream. Anybody else grateful for ice cream? I thank God for people like Mrs. Greg, but I also thank God for ice cream and colored leaves and the crunch, crunch, crunch of a deer walking through the dry, brittle brown leaves of late fall and the smell of freshly mown grass in the spring and snow, lots and lots of snow, and red licorice, and the smell of a baby after a, a bath with baby magic soap, and scrapple, <laughs> crispy fried scrapple without, without the sinful alteration of syrup. And the smell of pine needles when you crush them between your fingers and it takes me instantly to Christmas. And smoke lazily drifting from a chimney on a moonlit night. 
and the grace-filled, tail-wagging greeting of a dog when you've been gone all day, and chocolate. <laughs> lots and lots of chocolate. I thank God for the good things of this good earth. How about you? You know, in the creation story in Genesis chapter 1, good is actually a theme. If you read the first chapter of Genesis, there are actually seven times when God will look at the things that he's been creating. And in Scripture, seven times it will say, and God looked and God saw that it was good. You know, for those of us who are working our way through the book of Genesis in the Discover Bible study on Wednesday night, um, we would hardly be surprised at all that God says that seven times. Because in Scripture, that number seven, from beginning to end, always conveys a sense of, of wholeness, of completeness. Um, Jewish people, it conveys a sense of shalomness. It conveys a sense of kind of perfection, the sense that this thing couldn't get any better. So seven times in the book of Genesis chapter 1, God will look at something that he has made and he will pronounce this blessing. God saw that it was good. But there's something that happens, something very interesting, on the seventh time that God says that in the book of Genesis. It's the last time that God will say it, and it's in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. It's just one verse that we're going to pay attention to. We'll put it on the screen so you don't necessarily have to go there in your own Bibles unless you're a note taker and want to see this. But the seventh time that God says this, it's the final time, and it comes at the end of day six in creation, the final day of creating before that day of rest on the seventh day, that number again. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, it says this, that God looked over everything. He had looked over all that he created, and God saw that it was good, very God saw that it was very good. Now, there's a really important idea about creation in that very simple sentence. It's an idea that we actually miss most times. Maybe, like most of us, you're tempted to think that when God looked at everything that he made and said it's very good, maybe you're tempted to think that God was just kind of kicking back and looking at it all and saying, you know, this is really, really good. But it's more than that. And it turns out to be very important. What that phrase means when, when it says that God looked at everything, when he looked at all that he had made, what it means is that God is now examining the universe as a whole. He isn't looking at the parts anymore. He isn't examining the individual details that he'd been making all along. God is now looking at all of it. He's looking at all the parts and how all those parts have come together and all these parts have made a universe that works. What God is seeing when it says that he looked at all, when he looked at everything, he is seeing the whole of it, how all those parts have come together and it all works. One time a couple years ago, I got a motorcycle in a box. 
Truly, it was. It was a box of parts. It was a motorcycle engine that wasn't attached to a frame anymore in a box of parts. And I spent the next year or so disassembling that engine and cleaning all the parts and greasing it and welding it and sanding it and painting it and greasing it all up. And then came the day when all the parts were put together and they were all painted new glossy black and the glossy blank gas glossy black gas tank was now filled with engine and I pushed the starter button and it worked. The whole is better than the parts any day. A box of parts of a Honda motorcycle, a box of parts is a very good thing. But when the whole takes you down a road leaning into the curves on a warm spring day, that is a very, very good thing. And that's what God is doing on that last day, the sixth day. He's not looking at the parts anymore. He's not looking at the details, but he is looking and seeing how all of it together has come together and it works and it's a thing of beauty. And God looked And God saw that it was all very good. Now, you might be wondering, well, good for what exactly? Good for what? Well, among other things, life. Life. Creation works for life. You know, there's a word for this in science outside of Scripture Um, And this word for it in science is called the anthropic principle. And it's fascinating stuff. Um, Obviously, there are whole semester classes about this. And I only have like 47 seconds to devote to it rather than a semester. But the idea behind the anthropic principle is that this universe seems to be compelled to produce conscious life. And then even more than that, not only that it produces conscious life, but this this universe seems to be fine-tuned so that this conscious life that it produces is able to turn around and actually observe and study the conscious life that it has produced. Um, Not all that long ago, scientists and philosophers who talked about the anthropic principle, they applied it to just our planet. That is, they said, it's our planet that is wired for life. Now we know that it's far more than our planet. And the anthropic principle applies to our planet, but also it applies to our planet's place in the solar system and our solar system's place in the galaxy and our galaxy's place in the universe. God looked at all that he had made. He looked at everything and God saw that it was very good. It's kind of fascinating uh, when you actually work through Genesis chapter 1. In the very opening sentences, the first two sentences of Genesis chapter 1, obviously you notice God created the heavens and the earth, but the second sentence, in the second sentence you discover that when God started creating, Scripture says that when he started creating it, it uses two words, two Hebrew words. It says that the earth, the universe, was formless, and empty. 
And the idea of a thing being formless is that a thing has no structure. It's just complete chaos. And the idea of a thing being empty means that it's barren. It's a wasteland. So in Genesis, God is starting with this stuff that is formless and it's empty. And so what God does first is he actually deals with the formlessness. He gives the universe form or structure. And then what God will do is he'll deal with the emptiness, the barrenness, and he'll fill the structure that is created. So you can actually go through Genesis chapter 1 and you can see God doing this on days 1, 2, and 3. God deals with the formlessness and he brings structure to the universe. He brings order out of chaos. What God does on verses one day, one, on days 1, 2, and 3 is God actually builds habitats, structure, But by the end of day three, those habitats are all still empty. It's barren. It's a wasteland. So on days four, five, and six, God will deal with the emptiness. He starts filling the habitats that he's made on days one, two, and three. And on day four, he will take the sky, he'll take the day and night, and he will fill them with our, quote, our heavenly lights. And then on day five, he'll take the sea and the sky, and he'll fill them with the birds of the air and the creatures of the sea. And on day six, he takes the land, and he fills them with animals and, of course, people. And all of that, all of that, the form and the life, all of that makes for life, grand, beautiful life. And when all of it is working together beautifully, God looks at all of it and he says, it was all very good. Life is pretty good, isn't it? pretty good. To have life is a very good thing. Life is a gift, isn't it? That would be yes, if you're wondering. It's a gift. Sometimes we forget that. Apparently, most of you have. (laughs) It's a gift. I did not earn this life. I didn't create it. I don't control it. My life has come to me as a gift. I don't know why life works the way it does. I don't know why some people get to live to 106 and some people don't even get 106 seconds. I don't know why some people get healed and others do not. I don't know why some people get sick and they recover and others do not, but I do know this. That while I have life, my life is a gift. And it is a very, very good gift. We forget that very often, that the life we have is a gift. But... It's the practice of gratitude that reminds us it's a gift. This morning, I woke up and I'm grateful. This morning, I woke up in a bed. 
I warm, woke up in a bed in a warm house. I woke up in a bed in a warm house, and had I rolled over in the dark, I would have looked into the face of a sleeping wife whom I love more than words can say. How blessed can a man be? How blessed can a man be? This morning I woke up in a bed in a warm house. I got to take a shower in steamy, warm water. I've been to several places around this world where that is not a given. Not only the water, but the steamy warmth of it. A couple of you, we've traveled to Ghana together, and we remember those days when you turn on the shower and there's no water. You flush a toilet and there's no water. I think most of us who have that every day, who have that every day, I think we believe that we're actually entitled to it. Entitled to endless supplies of steamy warm water. I think most of us, because we think we're entitled to it, if we got up and turned the handle and it didn't happen, we'd probably be a little bit angry. We'd start posting Facebook posts, things like, anybody know what happened to the water? Anybody else lose power? It's been three hours now. What's the problem? Throughout human history, clean, steamy, warm water at the turn of a handle has not been the norm. But it is for us. How blessed can a people be? How blessed can a people be? I'm grateful for a bed, for a warm house, for a steamy warm shower. I am grateful for this gift of life on this good earth. I'm grateful for warm sweaters for the purr of a cat, for the gold glowing eyes of a raccoon who got to my tree stand in the early dark hours before I did, and I got to listen to him scolding me for the chutzpah of thinking that I could climb up and share a tree with him. Apparently not. I'm grateful for the smell of red oak when it's being split. I'm grateful for a baby's giggle. I'm grateful for the sight of an old couple holding hands, wearing gloves, sitting on a park bench on a cold November day. And God looked and saw all that he had created, and it was very good. Now, I have to tell you that, to be honest, We're forced to deal with the honest truth about our good earth, and that is that there's a kind of cruelty that comes with it and suffering. I'm grateful for hunting, as you know. I love it. I'm passionate about it. I'm grateful for everything that comes with hunting. I'm grateful for the walk into the woods in the early dark hours of the morning. I'm grateful that I get to see the sun rise through the mist of my breath from a platform 20 foot high in a tree. 
I'm grateful for roosting turkeys who take flight when the early morning sun finally hits them and they crash through the branches of a tree taking off, sounding more like a herd of elephants flying than a flock of birds. And then they land somewhere and they start calling to each other and their gobbles echo through the cold air of a valley. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for woodpeckers. When you're standing in a tree and your back is leaned against that tree, and a pileated woodpecker, a large woodpecker, the, the largest in about the size of a hawk, a pileated woodpecker lands on the same tree against which you're leaning on the other side, and he starts his work hammering. Your whole body vibrates with that tree. I'm grateful for the noisy, chattering squirrel chaos that happens whenever a hawk screeches and lands nearby and the squirrels take off. I'm grateful for that magic moment when the rising sun hits the very cold orange leaves, the last ones that have still been holding on, and something lets go and magically it starts raining leaves in the very quiet, still morning air. I'm grateful for a barking red fox calling its mate. I'm grateful for Pennsylvania black bears who walk by rooting through rotting stumps looking for grubs. And if the breeze is just right, you can smell their damp, musky fur when they stroll by. I'm grateful for chipmunks who pop in and out of the leaves as if they're playing a game of chipmunk hide-and-seek. I'm grateful for all of this, all of this when I'm hunting. But every once in a while at the end of a hunt, something dies. There's a cruel side to this very good world that God has made. I wish that we could just dismiss it with a wave of our hands and say, well, that's sin, that's the fall, but it's not that simple. So next week, we're going to spend a whole Sunday talking about how to learn to be grateful for suffering. It's a lesson we all need, all of us. But for now... For now, it's enough to know and remember and be reminded that even cruelty, even cruelty is a good reminder that this life we have right now is a gift. This is a gift right now, this life that we have. And every good gift Every good gift is humbling when you receive it. it. They just are. The presence of cruelty is a reminder that this good gift of life is humbling. And to say thank you for it is an act of humility. I didn't earn this life. I didn't create it. I can't control it. It comes to me just as a gift. And I'm humbled by it. I remember reading, some of you I know know this, that in West Africa, there's a tribe called the Maasai, and the way the Maasai people say thank you, their phrase thank you literally means my head is in the dirt. 
That's how they say thank you. Sometimes I've actually read that they will act that out when they say it, that when they go to say thank you, they will kneel on the ground, palms on the ground, forehead touching the dirt, saying, my head is in the dirt. What a beautiful, beautiful, humble way to say thank you. Actually reminds me of a story. It takes me to Luke chapter 17. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's, he's walking to Jerusalem with his band of disciples. And outside some unnamed village was a group of 10 lepers who stood at a distance as the Jewish law required. They stood at a distance and they hollered to Jesus, Jesus, would you heal us? And then very oddly in this story, rather than healing them, Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest. In, in the ancient world, in the world of Jesus, it would be a priest who was required to verify an act of healing. But he didn't heal them. He said, go show yourselves to the priest. And then Luke chapter 17 says, so the men left, and as they went on their way, they were healed. I picture these lepers on the way to the priest suddenly stopping and looking at their formerly rotting fingers and now seeing their hole. I imagine them tucking, touching their formerly decaying noses and now realizing it's all there, it's new. And they must have been overjoyed because they are going to get their lives back. But in Luke chapter 17, only one man, only one of the ten, stopped his joy-filled run to the priests. Only one man went back to Jesus, and Luke says, he fell on his face before Jesus and thanked him. Only one joy-filled, gratitude-filled human being in an act of humility before our Lord put his face in the ground and said, Master, my head is in the dirt before you. Thank you. Thank you. You and I are blessed, are we not? We get life. We get life on this wonder-filled planet in a universe that God looked at and saw that it was very good. So let's be grateful. This week, our invitation to you is to take your leaf if you got one. If not, there's some others around somewhere. I'm not sure where, but we'll find some for you. Um, but take your leaf, and on this leaf, write what it is you are grateful for about this earth. We focused on people last week. This week, it's just the wonder of life on this very good earth. So on your leaves this week, write, it, write down what it is you're grateful for about life on this earth for which you're thankful. And then you can write it down and you can actually hang it on any of those light strings. There's little clothespins. Hang it on those light strings. And then during the week, um, if you don't get it done immediately, you can either do it during the week or next Sunday, but hang it on those. And then during the week, those leaves will magically make their way to the tree over there where we are growing gratitude.
So on your leaves this week, you can write down things for which you are grateful. Things like Turkey Hill buttered pecan ice cream. <laughs> things like the comforting tick-tock sound of a clock when you are sitting alone in your living room reading. A full moon. Taco Bell's Canon and D. A grandson's giggle. The miracle of honey. A tulip. Seeing a handwritten note and knowing exactly whose handwriting it is. Finding an old box of pictures and going through them. The smell of apple pie baking. Thank God for this glorious, wonder-filled life. How blessed can a people be? So God looked at everything he had made, and it was very good. And so it is, isn't it? So it is. So let's pray. God, we can't thank you enough for the goodness of the world in which we live. God, even the presence of cruelty as a reminder that on this day, we get to be thankful for the life that we have. God, we're often taking all the things of this life for granted. We don't think about them as gifts, but they are every single one. So God, as we, Father, as we work our way through this month of gratitude, God, this week I pray that you'll help us to be grateful for the things of this very good earth. God, thank you for your faithfulness, for your goodness, for your delight in just giving and giving and giving. God, I pray that you'd make us grateful and joyful. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.